today, right out of Acts chapter 4. And it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we have done a good deed for a crippled man? Quick time out because we jumped into the middle of a very tense scene. What's going on here? Uh, Peter and John had just in chapter 3 healed a man miraculously, and they got arrested in the middle of that scene, and the religious leaders arrested them and wanted to know, what's going on? You're preaching this guy, Jesus. These religious leaders didn't know Jesus yet, didn't like Jesus. They maybe heard about him, but they didn't like it, so they arrested them. And now Peter is on trial, and he's given his defense. He says, rulers and elders, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for this crippled man? Do you want to know how this guy was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. All right? He was healed by the powerful name of Jesus. I'm here today to tell you that name of Jesus is just as powerful today as it was 2,000 years ago. If you need healing today, if you need God to speak today, if you're wondering, is there a God today? There's no other name than Jesus is the one that you're calling out to. That's the one you want. He's the one. And so he says it very clearly. He says, he says uh, the man you crucified whom God raised from the dead. Now, the people that he is talking to, this meant war. These, were, these guys were called the Sadducees, and they didn't believe in a resurrection. So if we were there in their time, he is, he is like not only telling them about Jesus, but he is like just throwing down the gauntlet here on them about talking about this resurrection stuff. So for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And again, he's throwing more jabs in there because they know that he is talking about them rejecting. So Peter is just coming full force. Here it comes. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness, the boldness of Peter and John. I'll say this, Peter was free. Peter was free. We are Freedom Church. I want you to be this free and this bold. I'm praying chains would break today that you would live this free. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. And they recognized these men who I also recognized these as men who had been with Jesus. All right. Before you take a seat, before you take a seat, I want you to greet four or five people in the room and tell them hello. But your, your icebreaker question for today is, what is something that you are afraid of? All right. You, so say hello to three or four people. Let them know I'm scared of talking to someone new in church, clowns. Spiders, I don't know what it is. Say hello, greet a few people, let them know what you're afraid of. All right, as you're headed back to your seat, online church family, we have a camera right here. You want to join us? On, well, we have people joining us online, but if you're in the house as well, you can jump on the live stream as well and, and, and 
you can comment, you can criticize on the sermon on your day. You can actually what I love, my favorite is hearing the comments, what God's speaking to you guys. Uh, but also at the same time, you guys share prayer requests. And it's one of the dynamics of online church that I love is right here in the moment. You might have something in-house that you need prayer for, and it's sometimes hard, but you can just lie. I mean, you got a prayer request online, you put that on there, and then you see two or three or four other people just praying for you right there. It's fantastic. It's phenomenal. And I love that. I love that. Uh, we are in a series called Love Los Alamos. It's a vision series. It's kind of uh, a little bit to uh, what, is, what is God speaking to Freedom Church, to us as a church family. It's a little bit of who we are. And what we're about, last week we got to celebrate uh, five, turning five years old as a church. But Love Los Alamos is something that, that has come to embody who we are. We really do believe that Jesus, God, loves Los Alamos, every single person. And so, therefore, as a church family, we will love Los Alamos, no strings attached. Whether they believe what we believe or not, we want to just show and share the love of Jesus Christ uh, not only when we meet, but more, more importantly, when we leave here, when you go to your home, when you go to your workspaces, when you go to the Smiths, when you go to the restaurants, and just loving on people. And we've seen God move. And the, year, and the word that we have kind of expressed this year for our church, just kind of in faith, is the word go. The word go. And we've kind of been talking about that as we've talked about Love Los Alamos, because Jesus laid down... The, the command for his disciples, right before he was getting ready to depart, he said, go, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go. It is, it is not just a mandate for, for pastors or full-time ministry leaders. It is for anyone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus Christ. You, are, you have been given that command to go. And so in week one, we talked about I want to go, but I have some wounds. I want to go, but I've been hurt and injured, and it's kind of like this hesitance that, that we go. Today I want to talk about fears and insecurities, because I want to go. I have this command, Jesus, I'm on board, but when it comes to it, I'm afraid. I have some things that I'm scared of. I don't know what things that you are, are scared of. I mentioned a few of mine, clowns, spiders. My kids jumping out of me in the dark. We like to play hide-and-go-seek, and then every now and then we, we jump out. Uh, yesterday, thank goodness, one of my fears was taken care of. Uh, we will not have a Jaguars versus the Giants Super Bowl this year. All right? So that would have been uh, just absolutely devastating. Um, I don't even know. Who, well, I know Trevor Lawrence. I don't even know who the quarterback is for the Giants. Anyway, any Giants fans here? Jags fans? I don't think so. Daniel Jones, yes. Who is that? I don't know. But anyway, um, Cowboys, good luck today. I'm actually rooting for you today, um, so it, it'll be a good one. You got a tough one. I got a few Cowboy fans in the house. Broncos fans, uh, I don't know. I don't even know what to tell you. Pray, I guess. Um, all right. Hey, um, I want to show you a little bit of video. This is from a handful of years ago. My son, Jeremiah, and um, is a proud dad moment for me, rock climbing, and or, uh, he's on a wall, not rock climbing, but he's doing the rock climbing stuff. Anyway, um, it's going to be a little bit hard to hear. But we are, you're going to hear us, mom and dad, and, and, and some people encouraging him because he's near the top, but the dude looks down. All right, you don't look down. He looks down, and he kind of shouts out. It's a little hard to say. He goes, I'm scared. I'm scared. All right, so let's go ahead and run this uh, Austin 
in and out with catch up after. Keep going, bud. Keep going, Squeeze bud. Squeeze that horn. Squeeze that horn. Almost there. Go squeeze the horn. Go get the horn. Go squeeze the horn. Go get the horn. Squeeze the horn. Go get it. Two more Squeeze the horn. Two more steps. You got it. You got it. Go squeeze that horn. Go squeeze that horn. Step on the green. Step on the green. Go up. Go up. There's a green rock. You got it. Two steps. You got it. Two steps. You're almost there. Two steps. You're almost there. We won't fall. It's okay. Two more steps, bud. Two more steps, bud. Step on the green. There you go. Step on the green. There you go. Good. Good job. Good job. You got it, buddy. You got it, buddy. You got it. Yeah. There's a hole. Yeah. There's a hole. such a, a, a fun little moment because he's so close to the top. He got all the way up there without looking down and then like any of us, like, ah! And he freezes and he was able to overcome uh, those fears. And I'm here to tell you kind of today what I see that is as a dad, as I was so proud to see my son conquering those fears as, as small as that might seem. We have a heavenly father who, who, who loves when his children are able to overcome those fears that we face. It's the very real fears that we face, the fears of rejection, the fears of, of criticism, the fears of loss, the fears of uncertainty, the fears that just seem to consume us. And I would also say, at the same time, your heavenly Father, he sees right into your heart and soul right now, and he sees that thing that you are afraid of. He sees the pain that you are in. You're afraid to, to take that next step because of the risk and the pain that you might incur if you go and take some of those next steps. And he knows. He knows and he sees the pain that you're in today. Today, uh, the uh, part of the sermon is just kind of titled, God can use me. God can use me. And there's a part of that where you can put an exclamation point behind it and say, God can use me. He wants to use me. Let's go. But then there's a part of that, if you just change it from an exclamation point to a question mark, God can use me? God can use me? And just the difference of how you in that statement says a lot about how you are going to take your next step of faith when we leave this building. And you're going to be challenged. Because I know, I'm telling you, you're here today wondering, God can use me? And I, you got this short, 40-year-old, balding man here just randomly telling you, yes, God can use you and wants to use you. And I want that exclamation point at the end whenever we leave here today. And I know, I know that question mark, God can use me, is rooted in, the, in fear. We put a question mark behind that statement because it's rooted in the fear of criticism. It's rooted in the fear of rejection. It's rooted in the fear of failure. 
it's rooted in the, in, in the shame that we feel over ourselves. And so we'll leave here today still saying, God can use me, and I want to go right after that fear today. Peter and John were noted for, for being very bold in this. And, and even though we're not in that context, I tried to highlight just a little bit of some of those statements, man. They're going right at these guys, right at the heart of, let me be very clear what is taking place and how this guide was healed. Just a chapter before, Peter and John are going to church. They didn't have any plans for this to happen today. This wasn't on the program. This wasn't on the agenda. They're headed to church as was their custom. They, they made it a regular habit in their lives to say, you know what? We're, we're going to make this thing called church a regular part of our day. Now, there's some Jewish things that are going on there, too. They're going to the temple. But, but church, church life, their relationship with God, their faith wasn't a once-a-month thing. It, it consumed every part of their life. So one day, as they went almost on every day, they're going to the temple, and here's a guy who's begging for money, who needs some money. And they ask Peter and John, hey, can you give me some money? He asked for some money. Thinking that they were going to get something, or he, I keep saying they, but it was he, Peter and John looked at him intently and said, look at us. The layman looked at him eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And with that, the man was healed miraculously, and it causes a big stir. He's jumping up and celebrating. People who are in that area who knew the man saw the miracle. They started coming around. It says Peter, uh, he saw the opportunity to get a large crowd together. They're all amazed. An amazing thing just happened. So Peter starts preaching the gospel. And it says that thousands of people got saved that day from that message. And then they got arrested in the middle of all that mess. I want to encourage you. I'm not going to read it all, but read Acts chapter 3. Read Acts chapter 4. Get in your Bible today and read this amazing story for this setup. Fear number one. What don't you have? They come to this man and says, I, I don't have what you want. I don't have money. And one of the questions that I want to ask you today is, what is it that you don't have that, that keeps you from stepping forward? Well, if I had this, then I could serve God. If I had that, then this, then I could speak. If I had this, then I could lead a group. If I had what? Fill in the blank. What is it that you don't have or you think you don't have? You didn't have a, a, a father growing up? That could be very real. I, if I had a father growing up, I would not have to deal with some of these issues. If I just had a job, then I wouldn't have to struggle like I would. If I just had money, if I just had the idea, the one idea, the entrepreneurial idea that would just really take this thing off, the creativity. I don't have the creativity. If I just, I don't have the smarts. I'm just not smart. What is it that you don't have? A clean record? If I just had a clean record, 
If I just hadn't have screwed up, then I could do certain things. What is the obstacle that continually comes up that is almost like it's an identity for you of what you don't have and what you are lacking? Because they clearly, I don't have. They come to this man. He wants money. I don't have it. But that does not stop them from giving to this man what they do have. So your, your continual thoughts of, what I don't have this. I am lacking. I am not enough. I haven't achieved. But what do you have? Let's flip that question around. What do you have? And God says, let's start with that. I hear Moses way back in the Old Testament saying, I want in on that conversation because God called Moses to go and lead the Hebrews out of slavery in Egypt. And he said, but I can't talk. I'm not a good speaker. I don't have. God has none of that. He says, I don't care what you don't have. What do you have? He said, I, had a sta- I got a staff. He goes, let's use that. I hear David who's getting ready to face a giant, who's a teenager, who doesn't have experience, who doesn't have the age, who doesn't have the armor. And instead of looking at what he doesn't have and focusing on that, what do you have, David? I got a sling. I got some rocks. I'm ready to roll. Let's go. I hear a little kid sitting in a group of thousands of people who are starving and hungry. And Jesus says, what do we have, boys? And they say, we don't have enough food to feed these guys. What don't you have? We don't have enough. And then he says, what do we have? This boy has five loaves and two fish. Let's start with that. All I want to say is, what do you have? Whatever you have is all God needs. When you give whatever is in your hand, as big or small as it is, and just say, I'm going to give this to you, God, God says, perfect. Let's start with that. When that is given in faith, I don't have much money to give. I don't care. Perfect. Let's start with that. When you start giving to God generously and openly in faith and just say, this is yours. What what is mine is you. It all came from you anyway. I'm going to give to you. You start seeing God move. We don't put restrictions on God here. We are so consumed and afraid by what we lack or what we think we lack or what we don't have. If we would just start saying, hey, I only got this small amount. Here we go. Let's just roll with that, God. I just got a little bit of time. I'll give you that. You give him what you have, and he's ready to go. Let me do just a little bit of vision casting and plug for for Freedom Church and what we do here. Because quite honestly, what God wants you to do and and your purpose here in Los Alamos and love in Los Alamos is like I want to kick you out of the church because there's things that he does here, but quite honestly, he's going to speak through you out there. But I will also say this here, Sunday mornings, why is it such a big deal? Because God moves in this space. We've been doing this for five years, and, and, and God just shows up, and he speaks to people, and he works in us and through us. So, like, we're going to have a welcome party right after church for a little bit. And I want to encourage those people. We're going to tell them about the vision. We're going to say this is how you can get plugged in. But for those who are regulars here, too, I want to encourage you. Get plugged in in some way, shape, or form. 
Why? Because it's not just filling a slot. It is God loving Los Alamos. Lives are being changed right here in this moment. And it happens week after week after week after week. So when you're doing first impressions and you welcome somebody in with a smile and say, hey, how you doing? Or you remember their name the next week and you, or you invite them out to lunch or something like that or you invite them to your home and you're creating a welcoming space and environment, it's more than just saying hello. We, you don't know what somebody is walking in here with. Someone who is, who is wounded and hurt. Someone who is lonely. Someone who is addicted. Someone who is questioning God and kind of searching. And we all come in here with the front of like, I'm good and I'm fine and I'm okay. In a way, I'm like, that's kind of normal, right? But at the same time, you don't know. And when someone comes in here and they are welcome, they feel a little bit encouraged. They feel like, hey, someone knows me. I, I feel like I belong. We have a great, awesome, awesome worship set. We have uh, people who are running some technology that kind of help us amplify. And we have my kids are taken care of and they're learning and they're in a safe and clean and fun environment, learning about Jesus on their level. And all of these things are kind of working and orchestrating together. And oh, by the way, we're all in here worshiping Jesus together. God starts to supernaturally just do his thing. And he changes lives right in this space, right in this room. And so I just, man, when you get a whole church family working together in a room, in an environment, praising his name, but also serving one another just through saying hello and, and, and having conversations and saying, you realize it's not just coming to church and checking a box and a list. This is like this is a supernatural moment for all of us because it's not just about the new person walking in. It's about the person who's been in here hundreds of times. It's even myself. I want God to speak to me. And he does that a lot through you. We have this mission to love Los Alamos as a church. And I was just sharing this with a friend just this week. Sat down to lunch and I was like, listen, do you know why I feel like Los Alamos is such a, a tough spiritual place to crack? Like, we have this town, and I'm grateful for everybody that comes to Freedom Church and, or goes to other churches and worships Jesus. Like, there's a lot of Christ followers here in this town. But it is a tough town spiritually to reach. And there's part of me that, that, that kind of recognizes that this town is, not to be prideful about our town, but it is a strategic place. People move into Los Alamos from all over the world. Some of them stay for a few weeks few months if you're interns and then they get shot out all over the world again some people come in on a contract for two or three years and then what they move and they go away some people of us were like man i've been here for 30 years waiting for my ticket out still hasn't come right but you know it's a very transient town and people go all over the globe i think it's no wonder then that this place is a hard place to reach spiritually because if the, if god ever let loose in los alamos like if we I don't, sometimes I question God, like, God, why don't you just reign in this town? Why don't you let loose? Because if you did, you have people coming in, they get filled with the Spirit, they meet Jesus, and then they go all around the world. You start changing the world from one little tiny town in this place. So I'm sure the enemy wants no part of you living out your faith in your workplace. 
I'm sure he wants you living in your fears and not sharing your faith or inviting anyone to church. It's bigger than us in this room. If God gets a hold of you and you take your next step of faith and you interact with that one person during the week and you interact with that person during the week and we collectively interact with that person during the week and God starts moving out there, it can change the world. Bigger than this, bigger than me, bigger than you. But it starts with me. And it starts with me taking one step of faith, one tiny little step of faith. I don't have what it takes to reach the world by myself. No way. But what do I have? I can take my next step of faith of what God has called me to do right here and right now. If I were to pin you down to the ground, which I can't because I'm tiny, but if I could, if I were to pin you down and say, what do you say? think God is telling you to do? What is your next step? What do you think he's telling you? You, might, you would probably say the church, he's probably telling me to read my Bible more, you know, because that's pretty, well, probably is. But do that. What is the thing that he's telling you to do? Do that. You can do that. That's what's in your hands. And that's what we encourage you to take. All right, I'll give off my soapbox here. Actually, you know what? One more thing. You sat on a next steps card. You sat on a card that said next steps. What is it? What is it? If you know what it is and you're like, you know what? It is to serve. You know what it is to join a group. You know what it is to get baptized. You know what it is to give my life to Christ. I want to know. I want to celebrate those things. So do me a favor. Fill it out. And then right after church to say, Mike, here's my next step. And let's do that together. Let's do that together. And let's change the world together. All right. Back, back to these guys. Actually, you know what? Peter. Let's go back to Peter. First Peter chapter 4. Because he writes a letter to the churches. Peter writes a letter to the churches way after this event has taken place. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. All right? You're a follower of Jesus. Guess what? God has given you a gift. He's given you the gift of teaching, maybe. He's given you the gift of, of administration or leadership or encouragement. Anybody can teach. Anybody can teach. All right? But some of you have the gift of teaching. So when you teach, God just somehow supernaturally just works through that. Some of you, he's given the gift of encouragement. And you encourage somebody. Anybody can encourage anybody. But it just so happens, man, when you start to encourage people and you give that encouragement, God, God just starts to speak to those people all around you. And he's given you a spiritual gift. He says, watch this. You might want to underline this. Use them well to serve yourself. No, you've been given a gift not for yourself. It is for someone else. So apparently you have something I need. Apparently I have something you need. God has given you gifts to serve the church family. And if you're not serving, if you're not plugged in, if you're not using your gifts, there's somebody else out there that needs what you have. Don't rob them of that. We try to give you some opportunities, mainly here on Sunday morning. This is going to be first impression, kids, production, worship. Very simple. Set up, tear down. And there's something within there where we can use your help for sure. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? 
Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do, I did the Greek research on that one, pretty much everything. He says everything, everything means everything, all means all, everything you do will bring glory to God. What is our life about? To bring glory to God. He says do that by using your gifts. You can't sit on the bench and glorify God as a follower of Christ. You got gifts. Use them. Use them well. Serve others. Let's go. Give it all you got. What don't I have? That will keep me short if I focus on what I don't have, but I'm going to focus on what I do have. The other thing is insecurity. I want to, I want to serve God, but when it comes to it, ah, I know me. I know me. I know my flaws. It says the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Man, those guys are bold. Man, these guys are not holding back. It was apparent. But you know what else was apparent to these guys? They could see they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. Have you ever had a deficiency that you know? A deficiency that almost like everyone else can see? I love tucking in my boys at night. My seven-year-old, he's a little bit too raw and honest for me whenever I tuck him in because I'm laying down next to him. And he goes, Dad, yeah, I wish you had more hair. <laughs> you can laugh at my pain. You guys laughed a little too hard at that. He's like, no. I'm like, oh, you were sure? He's like, yeah. I mean, he doesn't stop. He's like, you know, you kind of move it, and then you can just see the skin. And I'm like, oh, stop, man, let's stop. Man, if anybody had a reason to not be bold, if anyone had a reason to not speak up and say anything, Peter's got to be one of them. I mean, didn't Peter know his past? I mean, it wasn't too long ago. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but even for Peter, it wasn't too long ago he was standing in front of these people like, hey, this guy knows Jesus. And he's like, no, I don't. Didn't, I, didn't he remember how... When it came to crunch time, he left Jesus hanging. Didn't even know that he was there or act like he was there. Didn't he remember when he was with Jesus? He had that moment where he stood and walked on water, but then he sunk, and then Jesus looked at him and said, why do you have such little faith? Oh, and don't even remind me about the time when he called Peter Satan. When he was like, get behind me, Satan. I mean, if Peter just went through the inventory of his past, there's a lot of insecurities that would come up and say, I'm not the guy to be leading out here. Didn't Peter know about his presence? I mean, even these guys saw it in him. Unskilled, ordinary men. I did look that one up in the Greek. The Greek word is idiotes. These guys were idiotes. Idiots. It's where we get our word idiots. They were unskilled, probably illiterate, no special training. And here they are standing up in front of these guys. Have you ever done anything, something where you just felt like an idiot? Come on now, you can be honest. You ever done anything? All right, let me, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up, keep your hands up. You ever done anything you felt... Good, you are a perfect candidate to be used by God. 
You ever feel like you've been surrounded by idiots in a church setting? You've been in a church setting? Don't point, don't point. But you've been in a church setting, and you're like, but they're idiots, idiots. Don't write them off because they might be perfect candidates to be used by God. Blake, perfect candidate to be used by God. Sorry, I had to do that. I love you, ma'am. Didn't Peter know about his future? These guys just killed Jesus, standing in front of him on trial. His life was on the line. It seems a bit reckless, seems a bit careless. He has a wife. Peter, we know, has a wife. The insecurities that come up, the fears that come up of what could be, the uncertainty. What we fear most reveals where we trust God the least. And here these guys were bold. I want you to live free like Peter. I want you to live bold. Fear is going to be there. It is not the absence of fear. But I want your faith to reign this year, not your feelings, not your fear. It does not dictate your insecurity. Don't direct your next steps. Your faith does. Because it did, they saw these guys were ordinary men with no special training, but I love the next sentence because it says they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. You want to work on your insecurities and fear? Spend time with Jesus. Get in his word. Get in a connect group this year and rub shoulders with other people who can encourage you, who can challenge you, who can help just pray over you. Don't do this thing alone. These guys truly believed, and they were bold. Jesus wasn't scared in this moment. I would be so scared. Jesus wasn't scared. He isn't scared. Whatever situation you're facing, he's not scared. And as they step forward in boldness, as they step forward in their belief in Jesus and stepping on that, standing on that foundation, it started to change their perspective how they saw these guys. He said, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that's fighting words, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Now, if I'm in Peter's position, knowing you guys crucified Jesus, you guys got it wrong, you guys killed and murdered God, the Messiah, the one, it was you. So you guys missed it. And now we're here, and now you're going to pay. You're going to pay for all the wrong that you have done to me, and everyone else, and to Jesus, and now you're going to get it. I'm thinking, I'm, oh man, I got Jesus on my side. These guys are the enemy. They're going to pay. That's not what we get from Peter, is it? There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name in heaven by which we must be saved. Peter's life was on the line, but real question, whose life was on the line here? Peter, he spent time with Jesus. 
He knew whose lives were on the line here. It wasn't his. This is, this is where it goes from, this is from like a, a, a revenge or, or a bitterness or a fear to, to love. They were bold because they were loving. This is how you go and love Los Alamos. For the person that, that has hurt you and, and wounded you, here he is saying, these guys' lives were on the line. We truly believe in Jesus. We're not here to exact punishment. We're not here to go and get revenge and, oh, Jesus is going to get you and nail you. No, he's like, there's, guys, there's no other way. This is it. And the result was, well, let's see. In verse 15, so they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conversed amongst themselves. They conferred amongst themselves. What should we do with these men? We can't deny that they perform a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. Now, I wasn't thinking about this until I read this pastor, passage and it, it, uh, I had, it just stood out to me. How did we get these quotes? Did you, did you miss that part where it says they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and then they conferred amongst themselves, the enemy, and then we have these direct quotes from behind the scenes from the enemy. How do we get these quotes? I'm going to speculate just a little bit. I don't know. I do know Paul was a member of the Pharisees. He gave his life to Christ. Nicodemus, we know, was a, was a member of the Pharisees. He, he was searching and seeking. Jesus talked with a man who was a leader of the re religious groups, and they were asking him questions. He's like, you're so close. I, have, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just speculating, but I think someone in that room got saved that day. He shared the gospel. I think someone got saved that day, and then when Luke started recording the book of Acts and interviewing different people, someone was like, you got to know what they said in that room. It doesn't give us that exactly, but I don't, other than the Spirit doing some sort of thing where it's like, oh yeah, this is what they said. I think realistically, probably someone got saved in that room today. When you start living out in faith, when you spend time with Jesus, when you start loving Los Alamos and just living out whatever that next step is, not giving in to your fears and insecurities, lives start to change. One person's lives changed in that room that day. And here, here they are. And they said, but to keep them from spreading the propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak in Jesus' name again. Why is the enemy set on silencing you? You're afraid. You want to speak, but the enemy is reminding you of all your fears and insecurities. Why does the enemy want you silenced? Because he's afraid too. The enemy is not all-knowing. What doesn't the enemy have? Victory. What do you have? What do you have? You have victory. It's already there. He doesn't want you speaking out because he knows when you do, your faith's going to grow and somebody else is going to meet Jesus. And so he wants you silenced in that room. We don't want you to speak any other, any other name. Don't speak about Jesus. The enemy is taunting you and tormenting you about not speaking and staying silent because he knows he does not have victory. 
And so he'll distract you. He will, he will discourage you. He will cause those doubts to creep in, all to keep you stuffed in silence. But here's their response. We cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Let's go. Let's go. We can't stop. Do to us what you want, but we can't stop. And God starts changing lives. You don't know, Freedom Church, you don't know what's on the other side of, I'll give you what I have. I don't have this. I don't have that. But what I do have, here you go. And just see God work. Let's stand and let's pray. Jesus, what a day. What a day these guys had. What a day when they were just going to church and then they encountered you, filled with the Holy Spirit. This, your spirit just came into them and showed them that man. They healed that man. Something great happened in that man's life. His life changed forever. Then your spirit showed them the group of people, the large group of people that are around, and they told them about you. And several thousand people Lives changed that day. Then what seemed terrible and horrific and scary, uncertain of what was next, out of control and unfair, standing trial, and then filled with the Holy Spirit, there you are again with them the entire way. You are with them the entire way, and you show them what to say, and they do, and lives are still being changed. Father, that was 2,000 years ago, and I believe it's still happening right here, right now, today, in this moment, in this room. We are filled with fear. We are filled with insecurities. We have pain, but we are willing to overcome those things by taking the next step of faith, trusting that lives are going to be changed, starting with my own. So I'll give you what I have, Jesus. I'll give you what I have. It may not be much, but I'm saying today, just as a moment of commitment, I'll give you what I have. I'll take that next step of faith. I'll get plugged in. I'll find the community. I'll invite that friend. I'll share my faith. Whatever it is, Jesus, my heart is yes. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you wanna partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's gonna get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.